0: Welcome to another News for Jags podcast, kind of a holiday edition here. I'm Jamal St. Cyr alongside Justin Barney. Justin, the Jags took another hit on the chin as they lost the first game of the Daryl Bevel interim they head coach. They scored, though. They, they did scored. score. They, they scored. They got above the average that they needed uh, to, the rest of the way in order to prevent this being the worst offense in franchise history. They even got a touchdown at home, which... Those have been very small, rare. Small miracles. Christmas miracles.
1: <laughs> so it, do, it does not make me feel good, though, that you know, the Texans were widely projected before the season began to be maybe one of the worst teams in NFL history, and they come out in week one and drum the Jaguars by 37 to 21, and then this past week, um, in a game that was not nearly as competitive as a final score, they beat the Jaguars again. So that doesn't make me feel too optimistic about the direction of the franchise. But we're headed for a reset again, and uh, all we can focus on right now is the Jets this week.
0: Yeah, you just have to look at this Jets matchup and you say, wow, this is what we're going to watch this week. Two bad teams, but it's the number one and number two overall pick from this past year's draft. Uh, Apparently matchups like this don't exactly happen often. It's only like the fourth time in NFL history that this has happened. But it's late in the season, and typically those matchups haven't been this late. Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson have both taken a beating this year. The two have only combined for five wins total. Obviously, only two of those going for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, so it's been a rough year. 25 uh, picks for both. Goodness gracious. It has been a, a lot
1: catastrophe. Oh, you know, I, I think Trevor and then seeing what I have, just the limited highlights of Zach Wilson, I do think Trevor has played better. Uh, against longer odds. I think there's a better infrastructure in place around Zach Wilson. He actually had a coach uh, who'd been around the NFL, Robert Asala, and I think he's set up better to succeed um, in the situation that he had this year in New York as opposed to the the train wreck that has been in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer. I think Robert Sala was a far better coach than Urban Meyer was Uh, uh, to be without a doubt sounding board. Even though you know the Jets had tragedy this year, Zach Wilson lost his personal quarterback coach uh, with the Jets earlier this year. They hired a couple other coaches to assist him, so um, he's had some struggles this year adjusting from BYU uh, to the NFL game. Uh, But I do still think. Um, long-term Trevor Lawrence is going to be a better quarterback.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a doubt there. The only problem that I have right now with Trevor's prospects for a long-term quarterback are, honestly, the Jaguars. I mean, the, there's no organizational uh, vision right now. There's nothing. There's nobody in the building where you can say, that guy has an understanding of where this team is going to be in two years, three years. There's a plan in place. There's not a plan in place right now. Who's going to be there next week? That's exactly where we're at. I mean, it's like, who's suiting up at wide receiver today? We don't know. We're just trying to figure it out. And even for what Urban Meyer was, you know, the, the one hope behind Urban was that maybe he had some sort of vision for the franchise that, you know, may have come true. It didn't work out that way. But now you've got to go back to the board. And I guess Shad Khan needs to get all the head coaching candidates to come in with their vision boards. And, and say, hey, look, all right, I, I need a plan. And I know Shad says he wants to win now, which is understandable, but you need somebody with a plan for now and a plan for two years from now. Yeah, and
1: I think that's what, in the hiring process, I think you have, you know, you've heard about these coaches or GMs that come in with these meticulous, detailed plans and say, hey, we need to do this, this, and this, and win owners over, win uh, boss, you know, that are hiring them over. Um, and I think Shad needs to hear that from Um, an NFL guy that comes in and says, here's my one-year vision. Here's my two-year vision. Here's our plans for Trevor. Here's what we're going to do with the receiver. I think Shad needs to hear nuts and bolts in black and white what his next coach slash GM have planned for this franchise going forward. I mean, I think he was enamored on Urban Meyer's uh, credentials in the past, the name of Urban Meyer, what he'd done at the college level. But Urban, you know, I think besides talking a good game and having the all-in moniker and Um, You know, kind of beating beating the drum, didn't really have much substance behind those words. So I think he's going to Shad's going to really need to have a guy that comes in with a vision and a plan to sell to him. That's not going to just be a smokescreen.
0: Yeah, and I I think you know we've talked a lot about offensive coaches around Trevor Lawrence. The next coach should be an offensive guy for Trevor. But I mean, let's play devil's advocate a little bit here. If we had a Christmas list for uh, you know the best head coaches in the NFL and said, oh, one of them would fall in the Jaguars' lab by some happen stance, most of them are defensive guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you look around the league, a lot of the top coaches are con- that are considered the top coaches around the league are guys that background is in defense. So, I mean, I, I've kind of been looking at it, and I said, well, maybe we should look closer to these defensive coaches. I mean, it, the performance that a, a, a Saints defense run by former Raiders head coach Dennis Allen had against Tom Brady, impressive. And that's also against Byron Lefwich, who a lot of Jags fans want to see as the next head coach. You know that got my wheels turning a little bit. I said, well, maybe Dennis Allen really has earned that second shot. Oh, man. I mean, hey, you know, look, it was bad in Oakland, but yes. in his defense, they handed him Terrell Pryor and said he's your quarterback. And I mean, Terrell Pryor was playing wide receiver like two years later, so he he didn't exactly have a whole lot to work with. Yeah,
1: that's true. <laughs> I, I just think I think you need, and the more I digest you know what they need in a coach. I think they, they need a guy who's got that NFL experience, and um, whether that be a, a, a high-profile coordinator, I don't know if a Byron Leftwich is the answer. I don't know if a enemy is the answer. I think it's got to be a guy who's had a little bit of that coaching experience, the Doug Peterson types, um, the guys that have kind of been there and done that. And you know, is that Dennis Allen? I don't, I don't know. Jim Caldwell? I don't know. I, I think it's got to be a guy who's been there and done that.
0: My problem, my only problem with like the former head coach route is it's just so hard to find one. I mean, there's, there's so few and far between. Like the of the former head coaches that people really want, what Josh McDaniel, probably not even New England. Then you get to Jim Caldwell and Doug Peterson. Jim Caldwell knows that this will be his last shake at a head coaching job. Does he really want to hitch his wagon to the Jaguars as his last shake? I don't know. I'm not saying that he wouldn't. I'm not saying that it's a bad situation. I'm just saying that if you call up Jim and, say, and you're shot, that's going through his head. This is my last shake. Mm-hmm. and uh, This has been an uh, organization that's been in peril and turmoil for years. This is my last shot. Do I want to hitch my wagon to this? Because right. if he does, then he ends up, what, like a Hugh Jackson and maybe he's coaching down in one A football somewhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that'll be it for him. Um, I mean, that's just, that's just a thought from the Jim Caldwell, but I mean, for the former head coaches, there's so few and far between, like you got a Jim Caldwell out there. You got Doug Peterson outside of that, who is really at the top of these lists? I mean, Dennis Allen, I think he's done a phenomenal job with the Saints as their defensive coordinator. Does he get a second shot? Man, who knows? Dan Quinn, he's done a great job with the Cowboys defense this year. Mm -hmm. Does he get a second shot? Probably not yet. He might be another year or two away, but could he get some interviews and a chance? Sure. It's very possible. Um, I mean, Bill O'Brien is down at Alabama right now. He's the former Texans head coach. Does he get a second call in the NFL? It could happen. He probably has a couple more years to rehab his reputation mm-hmm. as well. But, I I mean, if Mike Tomlin somehow got fired from the Steelers, do, do you make a call to him? Yes. Does he take the job? Who knows? He might take a year off. I mean, there are plenty of guys that – our former head coaches, but the ones you really want are just so tough yeah, to come by.
1: Probably, probably not going to. I mean, I would love a Mike Tomlin in Jacksonville. Oh, you'd love be, it. I, I, I just I would, don't see the Steelers no, parting ways I, with him. I mean, what would he have to do to get fired from the Steelers? Right. I mean, the guy is an institution up there, just like Bill Cowher. I, I don't see Tomlin leaving unless it's on his own volition. I mean, do,
0: do you call Lovey Smith, who's done a decent job with the Texans defense this year? He's a former head coach mm-hmm. in college and the NFL, but he's been fired in both the college right. and the NFL. Marvin Lewis, uh, he did a pretty decent job with the Cincinnati Bengals, depending on who you talk to. But he's basically, you know, walked away from really being even a coordinator since that job. So, I mean, now you're waiting to find out, you know, would he take a head coaching job? What or what has he learned over the course of this? Is he. Truly qualified at this point. I mean, I I don't think there's any argument that he's not a good football coach or that he doesn't have the knowledge, but how ready is he to make the commitment of being that head football coach again? I mean, it... You start getting into the weeds once yep. you get past like those top two guys. Like, who are these former NFL coaches that you're just picking up the phone and calling, and you actually and people yeah, are like, "Oh, that's a good one." Yeah,
1: they're not you know? they're not just growing out there on trees. No. So if we had to, if you had to do a Christmas list right now of your top three coaching candidates,
0: Ooh. who would they be? The coaching candidates that are available, co- or I could pick oh, anybody. 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 I mean, not a Bill
1: Belichick. No, but no, obviously, but I mean, some you know, some guys who may have some flex, or maybe a coordinator who's kind of been that. Guy in waiting, a Kellen Moore kind of guy. Who would be your top three candidates on a Christmas wish list? I post?
0: definitely like Kellen Moore. I like I like the uh, former player angle there. He's been an up and coming coordinator. I think he's done a really good job with Dak uh, turning that offense into a high powered one after we saw how uh, slow it could be under Jason Garrett at times. So I, Kellen Moore is definitely high on my list there. Um, I need two more. Hmm. See that's where it start. You start to get into the weeds when you say two more. Uh, you know what? How about a Gerard Mayo? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little bit into the weeds. He's just a, a, an assistant coach, assistant head coach with the the Patriots right now. Former linebacker hasn't even been retired yeah, that long. First round but pick but Patriots. we've seen what Mike Vrabel's done, mm-hmm. and Mayo is one of those guys who gets widely a, a, a resounding reports for his leadership qualities, and that's why people think he could be an up and coming head coach. And uh, maybe a Mayo, maybe you get him a, a little bit too early, but you bring in those, leader, those leadership characteristics, and that's what this program needs. Uh, and you hope you got the next Mike Vrabel uh, in, in Mayo. Um, outside of that, I mean, I, I, I do like Jim Caldwell. I'm not going to put him on my Christmas list. Uh, um, if, if I'm going to put a Christmas list together, um, I'm going to go with one that probably would need a little bit of help to make happen. How about a guy that would need to get fired? hmm, who would be on my Christmas list? You know what? If Kyle Shanahan somehow got fired, I'd take Kyle Shanahan yeah, in a heartbeat. That, I think that's a great I, choice. If if somehow the 49ers were just so upset, I mean, I'm making a Christmas list here. If mm-hmm. they, they fired Kyle Shanahan, I'd take him in a heartbeat. He Him and Trevor would be two peas in a pod. All of a sudden, Trevor, James Robinson's going to be out here turning corners. And, I mean, I think that would be a a very good one for as much criticism as Kyle Allen gets for his coaching at times, he is still considered one of the better coaches in the NFL, especially offensive minds. And I think
1: they probably should have hired him before they went with Doug Marone. I I think when they had a chance to get Kyle Shanahan, I think they probably should have. That
0: was a misstep. And And if for some reason, John Lynch decided that he just wasn't happy with Kyle after the season, and I did pick Kyle out of all the established head coaches in the NFL because I think he's on the shakiest footing of the majority of the established ones because, really, since losing the Super Bowl, what has he done? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think he is at least on a bit of shaky footing. I, I don't believe the Mike Tomlin stuff just because the Steelers don't fire head coaches. They just don't do it, really. So, I mean, I, if, if Tomlin became available, would I take him? Yeah, yes. I surely Absolutely. would. Um, I think that the problem is when you start, like, the head coaches that I'd want are, are established guys, and they're just— Tough to come by. I mean, they, they step down, they take a year or two off, and then they wait for the right situation, a la Bruce Arians, a la Andy Reid. And then they, that's where they, they find the right situation and go right into it. All right, who would be on your Christmas list?
1: I, I would probably lean toward Josh McDaniels. He'd, yeah. be, he'd be up there. I think, again, the Patriot way has worked for most, you know, how many years with Bill Belichick. I, need, I know the uh, assistants there have not fared well out on their own. Um, I mean, we've seen that. Matt Patricia. Charlie Weiss, not mm-hmm. done well. I mean, I think we've seen that, uh, those struggles there. Mike Vrabel's done well, um, but we see we, we see the struggles. But I think Josh McDaniels would be a better coach than he was in Denver. I think he's more conditioned now. Um, yeah, I think he'd be a good choice. I think Dable would be a good choice. I'd love Kyle Shanahan um, if he became available, and i love Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin would be, I mean, my number one guy if, if uh, all things considered. I think he's stable. I think you look what he's done in Pittsburgh. There's no drama up there. He nips things in the bud, doesn't let things happen. He's a no-nonsense guy. Um, I'd love Mike Tomlin here. So, and I, you know, my wild guy, how about Lane Kiffin?
0: Ah, that, that is a wild card. And he is a former NFL head he is, coach. He so, I mean, he would bring the experience. He does bring a nice offensive system in. He would definitely put people in the seats, and people would want to see those Mm -hmm. press conferences. Here, I want to throw one out of left field. Here, we want a coach with uh, a coach with coaching experience. I like the Lane Kiffin. What if Pete Carroll gets fired by the Seahawks? Would the Jaguars be interested in that? That's possible. I mean, he's a Super Bowl champion. Mm -hmm. He helped develop Russell Wilson, or at the very least, put Russell Wilson in that position. He is at least sort of on the hot seat for what's happened. Russell is not exactly happy. So if they do hit the reset button in Seattle, it's not out of the cards to say that, Maybe Pete Carroll becomes available. And now uh, the one thing, that, uh, as I bring that up, I asked Carlos Hyde if there were any similarities between Pete Carroll and Urban Meyer, and he looked me straight in the face and said, not at all. Pete Carroll <laughs> is a completely different guy. And you know what? That's exactly yeah. what the Jaguars need right now. He's so su- He's
1: a successful NFL coach. Yeah, that's the biggest
0: difference. That's exactly it. So, I mean, would, would, would you think Pete Carroll could be a fit? I mean, he's not an offensive guy. He de- has a defensive background, but he's a high-energy guy. Um, been there, done that in the NFL, been there, done that in college, uh, won a Super Bowl, and he, shucks, I, you know, they already got Shaq Griffin here who would definitely have his back yeah. if he wanted well, you it. You just
1: have to wonder if a guy like that is at the end of his career, you know, coaching-wise. I mean, Carroll's, what, in his 70s now? I mean, he, he's getting up there in age, so you wonder if he's if his heart is in it for another uh, true rebuild. I mean, when he came to Seattle, it wasn't a, a teardown job uh, by any means, and I think Jacksonville. Not a teardown job with Trevor Lawrence. I think you're starting pretty nice. But, yeah, I mean, is Pete Carroll going to be around for the long haul? Is that's that, a solid that's, question. So I think that that would be my only issue with Pete Carroll. But, I mean, as far as established coach, I mean, he's done it with a young quarterback. He's had an unbelievable defense. Um, and he's done. He's really kept Seattle pretty much uh, head above yep. water for uh, quite a few years.
0: That's a solid question if his heart would be into You know, I was talking with Frank Frangie from Tintin xl last week, and the thing that he threw out was that he really liked – what Shad tried to do with Tom Coughlin, and he hoped that Shad would try and do something similar again. He threw out Jim Caldwell as being that president of football operations for the Jaguars, and, you know, I, that idea has really stuck with me. And I, when you mentioned like, is a Pete Carroll's heart going to be into it, maybe it's a transition off from the sideline to a position like that one where he is the, the president of football operations. Like a and Tom just, Coughlin guy? You yeah, take, give him... take that role that they tried to do with Tom and you give it to someone else who, you know, one foot in retirement, maybe Pete Carroll, maybe a Jim Caldwell who's getting up there in age. I mean, you could do that with any of these former head coaches. I mean, Marvin Lewis, I could see him as a CEO type, you know, kind of sit in the chair, this is our vision for the franchise, and, you know, work with the GM hand-in-hand and say, coach, go coach.
1: I wonder how many teams have those kind of those – I mean, then you're talking – three powers that be in the football operation side. You have a GM, you got an EVP, and you got a head coach. I mean, I, I don't think a lot of teams have that setup.
0: It's an interesting dynamic for sure. The only one I can, I can think of a few years back when Bill Parcells had a role like that similar in the NFL, didn't exactly work great when he was with the Cowboys mm-hmm. in that role. Um, I can't really think of any only other team that would come to mind with a similar setup like that. I mean, maybe the 49ers, but John Lynch is the GM. So there's not really a setup like that anywhere else where they have that many voices and or cooks in the kitchen, if mm-hmm. you will. But uh, when Coughlin left,
1: that position just went away. It just so. it just
0: dissolved. I mean, most teams don't have that, but most teams also have an owner who is a little bit more hands on than Shad is. Uh, Shad wants to win, but Shad also doesn't want his hand in the pot all the time. So I don't think it's a problem to have. Uh, you know, a couple extra cooks in the kitchen. And maybe this just adjusts how you hire your general manager. A lot of general managers in the NFL have a football background. If you hire an, an a guy who is your president of football operations and replace that and bring back that Tom Coughlin position, then your GM just needs to be a business guy. He's in uh, numbers, X's and O's. I'm going to negotiate the best contract I can for the guy that you tell me to go get. Uh, that a uh, salary cap wizard, if you mm, will. Yeah. So that way the Jaguars never end up in that salary cap peril that they've been in before. I think it could be an interesting dynamic when you start looking at it. I mean, it, it diversifies the power. I, you, you have one guy who... Maybe he doesn't have what it takes as an X's and O's guy or the heart to be back on the sideline full-time, and you get that knowledge in the building, a guy who's been there and established himself. You get a business guy who's going to say, hey, you know, we can't afford to pay him this if we're going to keep that salary cap right, but we can do this. We can maybe get the Jaguars into some of those funky new wave of NFL contracts that so many savvy teams have been throwing mm-hmm. out there that we haven't seen the Jagu- or anybody in the Jaguars organization draw up. And then maybe – With that sort of setup, then you can get your young and promising head coach and know that there's a structure around him and say, all right, this is your focus right now. Earn the right to be a little bit more involved in these conversations as you go through. Uh, One way to think of it. I mean, uh, you want to have some sort of stability, and right now there is none. And if the next head coach comes in here and they don't win games, like let's say you have three more years of 3-13 and or 4-win seasons or 5-win seasons then you're starting from scratch again if all of your eggs are in his basket. And then you have no overall vision of the program because even if you bring in, let's say you bring in Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson comes in here, stinks it up. The, the best he does over like a four or five year plan is what, five wins, six wins. Are fans okay with that compared to what we've been getting? Yes. Does he need to be fired at that point? Yes. And then when he gets shipped out the door, what are you doing? You're back to square one with nothing. If you can at least get some sort of vision, some sort of visionary, whoever it may be. When the Cowboys did it, it was Bill Parcells in this conversation, let's say Jim Caldwell or whoever. we come up with uh, 100 different old coaches who, can't, who don't want to be on the sideline anymore. But let's say you, you get that guy. I mean, at the very least, you say, all right, well, he's here to provide structure and football input, and this is who we are going to be as a team, as a franchise. And we're just going to stick to it and, keep, and and march lock and step and see where it takes us the The hope is that you know, obviously, that guy doesn't rub people the wrong way the way Tom Coughlin did. Is this but, the
1: most important hire in franchise history for Shad Khan? Yes,
0: you ruined Trevor Lawrence. You ruined the franchise. There's no recovery. So I, I thought There's no recovery. I thought
1: the Urban Meyer decision was the biggest, and I, I honestly don't think that yep. anymore now because you've already you already punted on it. You've already I burned mean, the bridges in a sense with Trevor. You've got year.
0: five years of Trevor on a rookie deal. Five. You've already wasted one. That means you got. Four left, yeah. and he's going to be wanting an extension before the end of that. Before that fifth year even starts, so you really got three years left of him on a cheap deal.
1: And I think this is—it's such an important. I mean, this is a, a franchise breaker kind of deal. You yes. knew they were going to draft Trevor. There was no issue there. You knew that the next coach or the coach back when they fired Doug Marone just didn't have to mess things up. That's all you had to do. You got a franchise quarterback, a generational guy coming in here. Don't mess it up, okay? Yeah. What, what did that hire do? messed it up big time mm-hmm. okay so trevor has been yanked around uh in this unbelievably disappointing first year you wasted a year of trevor's development you can only hope that year two's better but hey that clock is already counting okay we're 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 on a four-year clock right now with mm-hmm. trevor lawrence and right. and essentially you know a three-year clock with that uh you, you decide in that fourth year you want to pick trevor's option up in that fifth and bring him back for a fifth year so again if Trevor Lawrence is going to be your franchise quarterback, he is okay for, for anybody out there doubting that. <laughs> you've got to you, you've got to set this up for Trevor, and I just think this is so important. You know, Shad could not have messed that higher up with Urban. You couldn't. You knew Trevor was coming here. You just didn't want to mess the higher up. You messed the higher up. Now you've got to do damage control. Get a guy in here that's going to get the best from Trevor Lawrence. Going to push him. Have a good relationship with him. Win some games, and. You know, I know people say uh, you can't get this hire wrong. You can't get any hire wrong in the NFL. We've already got one wrong uh, yeah. under the – This the, is
0: your attempt at a do-over, but you you can't afford to have to go, be at this point next year and yes. be trying to put Trevor on his third head coach in three years. Yeah. You can't get to that point. That's, that's literally uh, – I mean, that's literally a joke at that point. You this can't. is
1: such an important hire – I mean, a, a franchise-altering hire because I think this hire – with this hire controls the future of Trevor Lawrence, controls – are we going to have a franchise quarterback here for 10 years, or are we going to have a franchise quarterback who wants out after his fourth year right. and is, is pushing his way out? I don't think Trevor's the, that personality to do that, but if this is business right. and, you know, th- we, business we this cycle. And he, and he has years, representation
0: that might start getting in his ear and say, hey, hey, this might not be the best situation for you. And, I mean, even then, he's not, he doesn't seem – he wants to lead a rebuild here. He does. But – and there's a big but – how long does he really want to just sit here and sink years if there seems to be no organizational commitment to winning games? Yeah, he can,
1: Trevor can so, get money anywhere. Exactly. Trevor it, can get a lot of money. Exactly. We, we've
0: seen players force their way out of Jacksonville. We don't want to get to that point where we're even having the conversation of if Trevor could do but something. You can't like that.
1: have another year like so this. you can't even remotely it's, close to this. That's why. I,
0: like, that's why I think it's growing on me to put more more veteran leadership around the building. That's why I. That Tom Coughlin esque position, uh, I think, is a good setup for the Jaguars. I mean, because right now I don't know what they're doing with general manager. I I like Trent Bulky has done some decent things in the NFL, but he put together this Jaguars roster. I hope Shad just look appreciate what you did this year. Go ahead, get out, pack your back. I just don't I see uh, how you bring Trent back. I don't see how you do out. either. But you ha- then you have to attract a new general manager. And in order to attract the top candidates at general manager, many of them want to pick their guy at coach. And Shad wants to pick his guy at coach. So now you're getting into the weeds a little bit here. But if you pick that figurehead who focuses on football, then you just go find you a money guy. They got plenty of money guys around the league. And then you find you a money guy who's going to manage the cap, and he going to follow foot and step with what you got. or you know. And maybe, maybe I'm just leaning off of some of these offensive candidates that are fatty right now and just getting into maybe – you know, the defensive candidates as well, too. I, I don't know what they need to do. Look, regardless, you can't get this wrong. I think there are a lot of guys that would be good fits. The question for me is who are they going to put on their staff? Because that's the most important thing. When I looked at Urban Meyer's staff from the beginning, we did this podcast after he finished building it, and I said one thing. Why is there no head coach, former NFL head coach on that staff? There are no former NFL head coaches. Not a one. You mean to tell me you couldn't find a single dude to get, take on defensive analyst title? Mm-hmm. Not not anybody. That, it's, that was the first red flag of Urban needs to be the smartest guy in the room, and he needs to be the guy. And that's not how – if you're a first-time NFL head coach, it's okay. If you're the first time at a job at, in a completely different world to say, I don't know something. I should mm-hmm. probably bring some people around me that might know the answer. I'm not saying he had to follow lock and step with these guys, but I'm willing to bet you put a, I don't know, a Lovey Smith who's in Houston now. If you put him on the staff, he probably goes, hey, Urban, maybe you get back on the plane with us after this loss. It's mm-hmm. not going to be a good look if everybody finds out. You know, hey, Urban, uh, you know, going and yelling at your assistants in the in the – the room and telling them about how bad they are probably ain't a good look for your NFL future, bro. You you can't do that. Hey, maybe don't kick the players. You know, like like common sense stuff. Just common sense hey, stuff. Was, board. But he needed somebody who could tell him that. Who on the staff and was gonna feel comfortable maybe, enough to tell maybe him that? Maybe Charlie
1: Strong. Maybe you know? Charlie. But that's again, it. but he's Charlie's not an NFL guy. No, Charlie's not an NFL guy. So may, I think Charlie was probably his sounding board in a sense. But again. You, you, it's a yes man, a guy who's been with you for there. You don't have the NFL experience.
0: I um, want as many former NFL head coaches on this next staff as they can get. He don't, don't have to be the lead guy. Get him as assistants linebacker coaches, whatever you got, get them in there and, and get them on the staff. You, you, as many smart people in the room as you can put together. I don't care where they're at right now. If they're sitting at home in retirement, Ben McAdoo could come back. Mm-hmm. Why? He'd been a head coach. That means he knew something at some point in time in his career. Yep. Jay Gruden could come back. I thought that was one, like, some of the good things that Doug was trying to do at the end. He was too far down the rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. But, you know, bring you bring smart guys and you put enough smart guys in a room, something get fixed. Like right now, you, you start asking questions. Like, if they do something, who you're like, who's the next coach? And it's like, do you, we trust them? They have no track record. They've uh-huh. done nothing. Like, and they're so, NFL coaches are fired so often. You mean to tell me if, if Urban would have called Hugh Jackson and been like, hey, I want you to come and be the assistant quarterback coach? He's coaching at Grambling or Southern now. I think he'd have taken it to be in the NFL. You know, I mean, you. I'm like and I'm not taking a shot at the HBCU football. I'm just saying like Urban could have got somebody that's a former that's head coach. That's a pay coach. raise.
1: That's an elevated title. Yeah, yeah,
0: he he could have got somebody and I, the next staff, that's one of the things that I, I look at these things. I love what Nick Saban does at Alabama. If you a college football he, coach he and you rehabbed. get fired, he yep. calls you up and he says, Hey, you wanna be an intern? Yeah. And these guys are like, Yeah, I'll be an intern he because he
1: rehabs the hell out he's of these going guys. Rehab you and, and
0: get you a new job. And that's what you want from this next Jaguars coaching staff. You want guys that aren't here long. Mm-hmm. You want guys that are are that the NFL is looking at and saying, Oh, he's gonna be the next wave ahead coach. He's a, he's an interesting candidate. I mean, you get guys that were the interim head coach on jobs, head coaches. I mean, you got to get people that other people want. Why do other people want them? Because they're good at exactly. their job. Exactly. Like, I mean, the, the Saints went and got Dan Campbell after he got laid off with the Dolphins, but everybody was so impressed with what he did as the interim there. A couple years later, he's the Lions head coach. What does Dan Campbell turn around and do? Everybody was talking up Deuce Staley a couple years ago as a possible guy that was going to be an up-and-comer in the league. He gets laid off when Doug Peterson moves on. Dan grabs Deuce and says, hey, come be my assistant head coach. I'm going to teach you how to what I learned about being a head coach. So now he's got that guy on his staff. He's got Aaron Glenn on his staff, who's another guy who's uh, supposed to be an up-and-comer through the ranks. And so he already has a staff of guys that the rest of the NFL has eyes on and thinks is a good coach. Who on the Jaguar staff does, did anybody in the rest of the NFL say, I want that guy?
1: Probably nobody right now. I mean, no, yeah, Brian Shot has I mean, been but Even, when, he, even when
0: Urban put together the staff, was anybody on that staff in high demand? No, Th- not at all. That's the problem. You want guys that other people want, and Urban did a terrible job of doing it. Yeah. I just need a to- a figurehead guy that has a vision. Give me a Mike Vrabel who's going to stand there and he – And has a vision. We're going to be a hard-hitting team, whatever. And that's great. And then tell him, put together the best staff he can. Like Billy Napier's trying to do at Florida. No money spared. Go spend shod money on a staff. I mean, that boy got the architect of DBU from LSU coming to Florida. I get phone calls from my family in Louisiana still complaining about that hire weeks (laughs) later. They, they are not sparing money building a staff. Your staff is what's going to win you some games. Yeah, I don't care. People have thrown out like, oh, Tim Tebow could be a head coach. I don't care. Put Tim Tebow there. Surround him with a great staff, and I bet you win some football games. Yeah, I agree. If you, but in order to do that, you have to be the CEO type that says, I don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. I'll allow what Nick Saban does. But I can I'll lie hire the smartest has. guy. In the I room. can smart hire him. I don't want coach against the smartest guy. I want him to be in the room and tell me what we're going to do on offense to win this yeah, week. And
1: that's why Billy Napier, you go out and get a Corey Raymond and boom. I mean, you weaken your rival. That's it. And you get a a guy who can darn well recruit, poach guys, speak the language of parents and kids these days. And Jacksonville just didn't do that. You go hire Daryl Bevel, Lions cast off, Brian Schottenheimer, left Seattle. You just did not hire a good staff to begin with. And we've talked about this before. I mean, you go out, and Joe Cohen's first time D.C., okay, paid his dues and stuff. But, I mean, who on this staff, when they were hired, did you say at the time, is a blockbuster hire who's going to say, man, a lie! I can't believe Urban hired this a, guy. This was a steal.
0: Not a single not a
1: Not a person at all. It's not a, not a person at all. There's
0: not a one. You've got to go out and poach these coaches. You go find out who the best guys are. And typically, on every coaching staff that gets fired at the end of the year, there's at least one or two good coaches mm-hmm. there that other people have their eyes on. And you need to go and attract that guy to your job. And then you elevate him because elevating him – Into a point where other people want him to be their head coach or their coordinator does nothing but tell other people to come to your staff. The only guys that are on the Jaguars coaching staff that are decent, Joe Cullen brought them with them from from Baltimore and was able to elevate them. I mean, Zach Orr, I think Zach's a pretty good coach. I think he's done a decent enough job. Um, I mean, but at the end of the day, he's only an outside linebacker coach. And Joe Cullen brought him. Mm -hmm. That, That was Joe Cullen's guy. Like, it, Urban didn't put together a, a staff. The next guy has to have a vision and put together a staff. And you need to go out and get people. If you're going to get former head coaches, that's fine. But you need guys like a Dan Quinn. Like, realistically, if Dan Quinn didn't get fired after week four for and the the, and the Falcons kind of turned their stuff around the way they did, could he have been walking in straight into another head coaching job? Possibly. I mean, he did take them to a Super Bowl. Is he a, a guy that will get another shot? Yes. Mm-hmm. At some point, he will. How long has it taken Raheem Morris to get back to where he was even a defensive coordinator? Yeah. He's hopped around staffs. Mm-hmm. And you get guys like that on your staff. Why? Because they're rehabbing, and you learn stuff from them, and they know things. They're good coaches. That's why they got a shot. Got to do it. And I don't care who the next head guy is at at this point. If they don't put together a good staff, it's bad.
1: Yeah, going to end up the same way. I, I, I mean, you bring up a guy like Raheem Morris. I mean, before these guys became head coaches— they were darn good coordinators. That's right. Darn good coordinators. So they can still do that. And, and these head coaches usually have a specialty offense, defense, something that they hung their hat on before they were head coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, Joe is going to be head coach someday. And, I mean, I think they're – I mean, look at Nathaniel Hackett, former coordinator here for Jacksonville, um, before he left town. And he's going to be a head coach someday. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I think these guys, you groom the guys. But I don't – you know, I, is Daryl Bevel going to be head coach one day? I don't. Uh, no. I, I don't think so.
0: We're, we're too far down the line. He's It's not going to happen. I think Joe Collins could be. I think Joe, Joe has shown that Joe will definitely get another shot mm-hmm. as a defensive coordinator for somebody at some point. It might not happen immediately just because there's so few jobs. But at some point, he'll get another shot because I think he's done a solid job. And if he does in an established place where they have some success, he'll get a shot. Mm-hmm. He'll, he, can, he could be a head coach. I could see that. But, I mean, that's... The, the biggest thing is, you want to see, you want to get somebody who's going to bring people with them and have a good staff. I don't care if all your coaches get head coaching shots and go out and fail. It don't matter. That's not what matters. The matters is, you had a good enough staff that other people were looking at you and said, and, and then interviewed the guy and then said, you know what, he is good and say, I want them. There's nobody, I mean, even on Doug Marone's staff. Outside, like I thought, the Jay Gruden hire was pretty good mm-hmm. at the time. I'm, you know, former head coach who has an offensive background. You bring him in. I thought that was okay, but Ty Wash, like, okay. I mean, I liked Keenan McCardell, but I mean, as a he was a great wide receiver coach. At some point, should he get a shake as an offensive coordinator? I hope he does. But he, we haven't elevated him to that point. They never gave him any other responsibilities to really help him. You know, mature as that coach and further along his career. If they gave him the, maybe the assistant head coaching job, could it have happened? Possibly, but you you never got there. And you brought in what Ben McAdoo. Okay, great. I got the, again. I I thought bringing in those former head coaches was fine, but he was too far down the rabbit hole by the time he mm-hmm. tried that. I mean, prior to that, he was chewing up offensive coordinators left and right yep. after a year. But but why was that? Because he wasn't. He didn't try the former head coach thing until it was too late. Yeah. If, if instead of uh, Filippo he brings in some former head coach two years before when he has Nick Foles and Minshew, does that change things? Maybe a little bit. Yeah, I think it probably so. does because do. then the offense is mm-hmm. at least competent. I don't care who the head coach is. Y'all want Byron Leftwich Bring in Byron. You want Kellen Moore? Bring in Kellen. I don't care. I, it, it, if you want Dennis Allen, Lane Kiffin, we can bring all of them in. I want a good staff. That's the only thing that I I want at this point. I want as many former head coaches or up-and-coming coaches as you can get in the room. If you can get a Gerard Mayo to come in and be your defensive coordinator because he's not allowed to call plays in in New England, do it. If you can get a – I don't know what staff gets fired this year. besides If you can get somebody off that Bears staff that is considered a a good coach for them and bring them in and add them to your staff, do it. If you can get a Matt Nagy to come be your quarterback coach – Take Can it. you
1: imagine that? You I take mean, the guy with that maybe the head coaching position. Is not for him at this point. I mean, this Nagy's not going to survive Chicago. No, but bring him. I mean, if you can, this, could, this could be anybody else other than Nagy, this could be a, a dethroned head coach anywhere. Yeah, bring him in. Bring him Put in. Put him in another position.
0: That's it. Give him a job. You can call the same thing they did with Schottenheimer. You're going to be our quarterback coach, our passing game coordinator, and make up some other title: chief executive offensive, whatever you got to call him. Uh, you know, chief executive offensive officer. I don't care. What does that mean? Nothing. But it gets him on the staff and. You're they pay him a little bit of extra money, and he shuts up, rehabs his career, works with Trevor, and helps you get to where you want to mm-hmm. get. That is what I want. I want Shad to open up his pocketbook for the staff. You go get—I don't care. You can—he can get his young rock star, or he can get his old experienced guy. But if they don't build a good staff, it don't matter. Like they said, um, Mike McCarthy, when he got to Dallas, he really said, I'm, we, "We're going to pay Kellen Moore whatever it takes to keep him," because he saw a good coach. That's what you need to do. You need somebody who sees good coaches and says, all right, these are going to be my guy. They don't have to – I don't care if they don't have the experience. They have to have leadership qualities and have done something somewhere if they've impressed you. That's fine. But you gonna, if you bring in guys that don't have that experience, you, they better show something. You better show something because you're going to cover for them. You're right. Yep. Uh, got to. Got to. I don't know. Uh, we we got a long way before we'll get the end of this. Uh, what is it after next week, mm-hmm. where uh shot can? Week. It's next week. Yeah. Shot can start interviewing, so we should start getting a little bit more information of who's being interviewed for this job and uh, where we're going with it. Um, but we've reached that point in the season where, like, the Jets game is on the back burner. We're talking about number one overall pick and coaches at this point.
1: Yeah, it's and again. A, I think we knew we would be talking about a high draft pick again. I didn't think it'd be number one, but
0: no, I thought top ten. That's
1: that's but. where we stand right now. And you know, the Jets game. I think at this point is just don't embarrass yourself too much. Don't get Trevor hurt. And uh, let's see if if Shoddy can call some good plays and get this offense in a in a in a zone. But I mean, right now we're talking number one draft pick, lowest franchise history, scoring-wise, in a 17-game season now. We're not even talking 16-game season anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and just don't embarrass yourselves too much each week. I mean, at this point, uh, winning, I think, is just – I mean, I think you probably could beat the Jets. I don't no think hope. you can beat the Colts or the Patriots, no. but uh, I think this is Jacksonville's last chance at a win, and uh, they could probably lock up the number one pick this week with a loss.
0: Yeah, all right. We're getting to the point where it's time to wrap this thing up. I got two questions for you, and we'll be out of here, all right? All right, so the first question, let's do draft, so that way we can give the people something, uh, something a little draft-oriented. If the Jaguars do lock up the number one overall pick, which it looks like they will, especially with a loss this week, would probably almost secure it at this point, um, would you trade back for a, a boatload of picks or stay there in this draft and... I mean, I guess the top guys are Hutchinson, Neal, and Thibodeau, and take one of those three. Uh, is it worth it to trade back in, in this in this scenario since the Jaguars do have a lot of holes? I
1: would trade back in a heartbeat if you could. If you could add, let's say, conceivably, Jacksonville picks number one, you're trading the, the fifth pick overall. They want to come up. Okay, get that fifth pick this year. You throw in a second round this year and maybe – Another one and another one. You know, I mean, I've seen some some mocks where the Jags could net two additional first-round picks, um, depending on how high they or how low they had to trade back to. Um, I think if they stay put, best available player. I mean, you, every the team has every position on this team, with the exception of quarterback, is draft-worthy right, right now. There's nothing on this team where I would say you've got to have this guy back next year. Trevor Lawrence is the only guy you bring back. I mean, I think that's I think. That's that's my mindset. You draft best available player no matter where you're at. We know they need help at receiver. It, it's so bad. Um, it's not even funny. Offensive line you need help at. And I think defense is probably in better shape than those other two. Um, but best available player, trade back would be my number one, uh, number one choice.
0: Yeah, I'd trade back as far as maybe 15 or 16 if, uh, if the package was right. If the package is right, I think the Jaguars need as many picks. I'd like to still stay in the first round, but if they could pick up a, a first round or two in the in moving forward and then it walk out with maybe three first round picks, a couple extra seconds or yep. something, by all means I think they should do it. That would be my preference. Yeah, I, I think that would that would be a home run. I mean, Neil and Hutchinson and Thibodeau all seem like they'll be good players, but I mean I don't I think Neil has the best chance of, of the three to be a really upper echelon player, I think Hutchinson and Tividale will be fine, but neither one of them strike me as like rookie ten sack guys mm-hmm. or even, you know, once in a generation kind of players at the moment. No, I mean um, I mean if they're so. at
1: their ceiling, if they're Chase Young Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, kind of players.
0: I think you're, so, I think I st- you're casting too high.
1: I st- and I think that's your your top. I think that's your ceiling for these guys. Is there those type of players? Yeah. Um, and I don't think they are. They are, but I think if their ceiling would be that high, eh, I still think you trade back if if possible. I, I wouldn't go too far down. I know this is a deeper draft in terms of um, the players, but there's not as much star power. I think if you get into that ten, fifteen range you've got to go receiver in that round. You've got to go receiver in that realm.
0: Yeah. So I, I, I we will see if they can have some packages that'll come together, but I think we're, we're at least in agreement that we would both trade down if, uh, if the right offer came in. All right. Last one. Let's pick this game. Do you think the Jaguars can uh, come up with a win this week? They are considered the underdogs. The jets are a two point favorites going into Sunday's game.
1: I do think they can win. I do think they can win. Um, and I'm, I'm even going to go as far as picking them to win this Ooh.
0: game. So it's
1: against my better judgment, but it's Christmas day after Christmas. Um, I think they win this game, maybe like a 19-17 kind of game. Low scoring, ugly. Trevor may throw a touchdown pass this game, um, but I think they have what it takes to beat the Jets. I just think Zach Wilson's been too inconsistent. They've got ba- basically every third person uh, that owns a Jets jersey been issued a Jets jersey on the COVID list. So I think Jacksonville has – Um, things going in its favor um, to win a a low-scoring, ugly game this week and deprive fans of that number one draft pick next year. I'm
0: I'm right there with you. Um, I do think they can win. I'm not picking them to win. I think it will be a close game. I don't think this should be an ugly one that everyone's turning off, but I think the Jets uh, just slightly edged them. Um, I'll say 20 to – let's go 17. I'll, I'll stick with 17, but I'll give the Jets 20. Uh, I think I think Zach Wilson and those boys just outlast them. I think the Jags defense will put up a fight, but the offense just can't seem to sustain drives is that well enough.
1: Six Matthew Wright field goals and a safety. or yeah. How are we splitting that up? There, there you go. It's okay. it's all Matthew Wright
0: field goals. That's all we're getting here. <laughs> um, I mean that that that's what it all, all. I asked Trevor last week. I was like, you know, you you got one touchdown today. Is 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 this frustrating? You've never been on a shortage of touchdowns before in your life. He's like, yeah, it is kind of frustrating. And I, I can get it, you know. It it sucks, but they can't find the end zone. And I can't pick them to win until they can find the end zone. We talk about it all the time with, with good teams, you know. Oh, they should pass up a field goal because they need a touchdown. You got to get six here. Well, the Jaguars don't get six ever. Yeah. I mean, I mean, legitimately, we were celebrating that they got one touchdown at home. That's embarrassing. At
1: home, that that's terrible. So that's how low the standards have gotten around here.
0: It's gotten bad. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week's news for Jack's podcast. We'll link back up with you next week after the Jets game.